This is the Ali Le Rouge podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the view from the terraces at Liverpool FC. Welcome to another edition of Ali Le Rouge, the Liverpool podcast for the Liverpool Echo. And I'm joined uh, today by two special guests. Uh, I've just written a book called Red on Red, Liverpool versus Man United, the fiercest rivalry in football. Uh, I'm joined by Phil McNulty, uh, Chief Sports Writer for the BBC, and author and journalist Jim White. Um, so, Jim, whose idea was this to write a book? I mean, oh. I mean, you're a Man United fan, aren't you? But... I am a Man United fan, and uh, it's very kind of you to talk to me, uh, Pete, in such a pleasant manner. I thought you'd just be mocking me, frankly. <laughs> I thought, I thought, I was, I thought the moment I saw you just laugh. But anyway, no, um, I think I'll hand over that to Phil, actually. He said, you know, it's a great rivalry between Liverpool and Manchester United, but there's more to it than the football. There's the cities, culture, history, music, politics, all these things put together. So, yeah, why not write a book about the football rivalry, but widen it out in the broader context, bringing in all these other things as well. And, and that's what we tried to do. So the idea was hers. Right. Um, we couldn't come up with anything original at all. Yeah, well, I mean, what, what a few people have said to me, you know, they're trying to cash in on both. Uh, I mean, you know, th- this is what their way. It's not mine. Uh, the Liverpool supporter base and the Man United supporter base. But the problem is, you've got Steven Gerrard on the cover, and you've got Gary Neville on the cover. So you're going to upset both. <laughs> <laughs> it's both. I think, that's actually, that's actually, I think that's actually the idea, really. <laughs> so if people, are, Liverpool fans, won't buy it because Gary Neville's on the front cover. <laughs> or are you? Uh, I mean, you're thinking people will rise above that. Well, there was there was talk at one stage, wasn't there, of having a cover that you could turn around. So if you're in Manchester, one cover would be Gary Neville snarling type of thing. And in Liverpool, the cover would be yeah. turn the book around, Steven Gerrard celebrating a goal or whatever. In the end, uh, that proved a bit awkward to do and there were some doubts about whether it would work. But I get what people are saying, yeah, yeah. because they are two, if you want, two touchstones, aren't they? Yeah. You know, Liverpool fans do not like Gary Neville, Man United fans do not like Stephen Gerrard. I think, they, I think but, they've changed their attitude since, you know, he's been on Sky with yeah. Carrey, you know, but I think, I was thinking, why not Carrey and Neville? Because that's the TV audience then captured, isn't it? Is there a yeah. reason for that? Um, it's interesting, we, we spoke to uh, Neville uh, for the book. We spoke to Cara as well, but we spoke to Neville for the book. And um, he, he talks about, you know, his absolute passion for United and how he felt he was a representative for the fan on, on the pitch and so on. And he said the first time when he was working for Sky that he did a match at Anfield, he said it was like a presidential um, column of cars. He got security, uh, ex, uh, ex kind of military looking after him. He got deposited at the front gate in this kind of yeah. a, a kind of lineup of cars. And he said, got there about four hours before kickoff. And he said it was ridiculous. Actually, subsequently, he now parks up in in. Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to tell us where. And, uh, <laughs> and he just walks across, and he says he loves the band. He loves getting a bit of grief. Yeah. He really enjoys that. And I think it's an interesting one, this rivalry, Pete. And you'll know it. You know it as well as anyone. And we and we, we we speak to you in the book. Uh, fantastic memories that you've got. It's an odd rivalry, this. Yeah. Because it's loathing, absolute hatred, but at the back of it, there's a respect as yeah. well. 
yeah. and it's an odd one that yeah. and I think that with Neville is, is a perfect exemplar of that yeah, yeah. that you've got somebody who you know Gary Neville is a red he hates scousers yeah, yeah. have you ever won the treble light film Gary Neville I have to keep yeah, saying yeah. these things because it's irrelevant <laughs> memories ancient history exactly but but also I think you're right I think people now mm. Liverpool fans will respect him as a as a broadcaster. You know, he doesn't defend United. He is does the opposite. Yeah. You know, and so on. And it's a really and, and and this is the thing about the rivalry, uh, Pete. I mean, you, you you know this. You know, these two cities are very very similar in outlook, in politics, in 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 kind of the makeup of the, the the Irish immigration and and so on. And yet, football has kind of come between yeah. them like a wedge. Sim- similar, but lots of differences as well. I mean, um, you know, obviously you studied this, you know, and you've lived in both cities, but Manchester had always had a, a massive trade union uh, chartist history in, in, the, uh, in the 19th century. They used to have chartist meetings in Liverpool and 15,000 at table. There'd be 150,000 in Manchester. So there was a different... I think there was... Um, it was a Protestant work ethic, maybe, at the mills in Manchester. Whereas Liverpool, because it was a seaport, it was a much more happy-go-lucky type, you know, we've got wages one week, we might not have wages the next week, let's, let's part. That, I, think, I think even in the mid-80s, when I think we discussed it with you, there was a feeling, and certainly people like Steve Rotherham and Andy Burnham said this to us, that Manchester played the game a bit more than Liverpool when it came to dealing with the government. And lots of Liverpool people almost thought, there they are, they're sucking up to Thatcher. Uh, whereas yeah. Liverpool, I mean, we'll all remember, I was just pointing out to Jim the Town Hall where Derek Hatton stood yeah. and said, you know, Liverpool went totally against Thatcherism. There was the talk yeah. of the managed decline from Westminster. Um, but there was a feeling when people spoke to that Manchester just played it a little bit. Yeah. I don't know whether you'd describe it as, as more clever. It depends on, on your view, really. Um, to get a bit more out of it than Liverpool did. Yeah. Whereas now we've got Steve Rotherham and Andy Burnham who were bid, bid, bidding for each other for yeah, money yeah, during... Yeah, yeah, so yeah. They're, they're very... I mean, obviously they're, they're friendly. There's the football that links them as well, opposite sides. But mm. uh, there seems to be more cooperation between the two now. But as you say, you go back to the Charters, then you've got this thing even as late as the mid-'80s. Yeah. There was a different feeling yeah. about what each city was doing when dealing because with... Because Liverpool was a very... And it surprises a lot of people, a very conservative city. You know, I mean, it, was, it wasn't until end of the Second World War and the, and the 60s that the, the shackles of sectarian politics were thrown off. But you do mention in the book that, um, and I'll have to take, take it to task on this, that uh, you're saying that um, North Liverpool, um, the Catholics in North Liverpool supported, tended to support Everton, and South Liverpool went with, with, uh, with Liverpool. But there was a book by Peter Lupson called Across the Park, and he studied every minute from Everton and Liverpool during that period. He never found one one instance of sectarianism. That's really interesting, because sectarianism definitely played into the politics. You know, the, the Conservative and Unionist Party, yeah. was, it was the unionism, and, you know, there were Conservative... Um, clubs in, uh, I, I don't mean football clubs I mean conservative and uh, you know gentlemen's clubs and yeah, so on in, in, clubs, yeah. in working class Liverpool Sc- scattered all around the place yeah, especially on places like Netherfield Road which was a which traditionally was the orange area yeah. but I'd just be interested you know it states it in the book but did you find oh. any evidence for that or? no not at all I mean it's it's a different thing 
uh, Liverpool and Man United is, is, a, is a different rivalry for yeah. Celtic yeah. Rangers. That's, that's the point I was going to make. You know, it's, it, not... it, it's different even. Yeah. OK, Celtic Rangers, you know, you've got, you've got sectarianism, you've got tribalism. You've also got geography in the, in the school playground, in the, um, uh, in the workplace. That yeah. that kind of, and, and you get that in, I don't know, Arsenal, Tottenham or... Villa against Birmingham City, you don't get, obviously they're too far apart, you don't get any of that. You don't get that in Barcelona and Real Madrid either, but what you've got there is, is politics, republicanism, yeah. uh, the, the civil war and so on. Liverpool United, yes, you're right, there was a kind of sense uh, that Manchester felt a bit more superior and, and, and Liverpool was a bit more happy-go-lucky and so on. But I think what really has driven a divide between the two is... Manchester United against Liverpool. Yeah. I think that's the interesting thing is that football is the engine yeah. of animosity. It's the domination. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we talk, we invo- we, lots of people just said, well, you know, you can go and talk about the shit canal, you can talk about this, that and the other. It's football. Yeah. So that's what yeah. it is. It's football. Yeah. You know, these two clubs who, amazingly, again, one of the th- things that really surprised us when you looked in the book was um, didn't really meet each other in a massive game until 1977 in the FA Cup final. Mm. Have never really fought it out toe to toe for the title in the way that Liverpool and Man City have done, yeah. and have somehow avoided each other in the Champions League. Mm. Um, you know, there was a spell mid noughties where often three of the four semi finalists were, I mean, Arsenal were occasionally there, Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea. It seems to me that Liverpool play Chelsea every five minutes. They yeah. always drew Chelsea. They somehow never drew Manchester yeah. United. And yeah. there was a Europa League game, wasn't it, which came later. But they've somehow avoided each other. And I, Jim uses this phrase, it's almost like there's not enough oxygen in the northwest to sustain the both of them. Yeah. You know, at that peak. At the peak. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. When, when did you find out when this rivalry started? I've talked to my dad about this. My dad still goes to match. You know, he's been going to match since the 1930s, believe it or not. You know, he is that, you yeah. know. And uh, he said there wasn't that much rivalry until it really got going, really, in the late 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you find in any research? Was there any reason for that? I mean, I know, I know Matt Busby wanted to be the Liverpool manager, and I always say he left his heart at Liverpool. Uh, he wanted to be the manager. The, the board wouldn't give him the manager's job. They'd only give him a coaching role. So then Manchester United poached him. Do you think that was the start of the animosity? I, I don't think so, because I think the respect that Liverpool had, and I think you, you, you mentioned it, didn't you, in the early 60s, um, when Liverpool fans were polled about who was the team of, the, of, of all time for them, Busby was the captain. You know? yeah, so yeah. I think the respect was still there from that. Um, I mean, th- there was a... There was a growing resentment around the European Cup in that Liverpool forever felt they'd been robbed of it um, in 65. Yeah. Yeah. And then, therefore, when United got it in in 68, there was a little bit of resentment. We, we should have been the first. Yeah. And Shankly went, Shankly went to his grave convinced they'd been cheated, didn't he? In the yeah. Yeah. The yeah. yeah. So there was a little bit of that. And I think there was also a growing tension about the fact that Manchester seemed to get everything, you know, it was the glamorous, the George Best and, and uh, all the media was there yeah. and, and, and so on. But actually, I think it's post, we think it's post Busby. And, and, and one, of the, one of the things that you can really identify as the start of it was early 70s, 
football hooliganism was beginning to become a big thing and yeah. tribalism and defending your own turf. And in 1971, um, United were banned from two matches from Old Trafford yeah. for hooliganism. Yeah. And they had to play home uh, first division matches 35 miles from Old Trafford. And somebody thought it would be a good idea to play at Anfield. So yeah. they played Arsenal at Anfield. And of course, in, you know, in those days, you could just pay on the game. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, a lot of Liverpool fans were not having anyone else standing on, our, yeah. on the car. I think Clive Tilsley said he was actually at the game as a Man United fan. Yeah. And he said it was very much a sort of, you're not on our turf. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. go wherever you like around this ground, but you're not standing on the cop. And there was yeah. a lot of trouble that night. And then, it, I mean, in the mid-70s, United fans, and I obviously understand biased here, United fans did have a terrible reputation, didn't they? I mean, they tore yeah. through the old second division, didn't they? Was the small towns and yeah. villages of the second division. Yeah, and, yeah it was like the Vikings. It was like the big city yeah, exactly. was Vikings. Havoc, like, every, yeah, everywhere so. they went. I, I think there was, I think basically, you know, Liverpool were the great successful side winning the European Cup constantly and so on. And, and United's fans felt, well, you know, one, one league table we can top is, is the Yobbery league table. I mean, there also was no question, again, we talk about this in the book, that there was that feeling that Liverpool never got the credit they deserved from the media. Yeah. Uh, because the media was based in Manchester. Yeah. There was know, a, the, that, that was a perception, wasn't it? Yeah, all the national newspapers were in Manchester. Yeah. Grenard Report was from Manchester. Yeah. Look Northwest, Manchester. I've yeah, just yeah. given Jim a little history lesson as we walked here. And I said, now this is exchange flags. And I said, when they tried to redress the balance a bit and say, well, we have got presence in Liverpool, even before Albert Dock. Yeah. They had a programme called Exchange Flags, That's the right. one called Shelley Rodin, yeah. yeah. who did a brilliant interview late in his life with Bill Shankly. She might have even done it there. Yeah. I said, this is the place where they tried to do it. Uh, and, I mean, it, it was like Liverpool were winning championships, European Cups, yeah. but there always seemed to be this focus on Manchester United. And there was one infamous incident which three or four people mentioned independently and which we've raised since, was when Liverpool got knocked down to the, the European Cup by Forrest in 78-79 after winning it 77-78. You know what I'm going to talk about. The party's all Exactly. They played all the footage from the second leg of Anfield, which was a nil-nil draw, lots of heroics from Peter Shilton, and then at the end, Liverpool players trooping mm. off this concert, the party's mm. over. And that now, I mean, you're talking X number of years ago, mm. Liverpool fans of a certain age, you did it. As yeah, soon as yeah. I started to talk about it, they remember it. And yeah, yeah. that was almost like crystallised everything they thought. Good job social world. media wasn't exactly. around then. <laughs> they couldn't wait, basically, for Liverpool to slip up. Uh, and, I mean, they hadn't slipped up. They were beaten by an incredibly good team, managed by a genius of a manager. But there was the feeling that Granada had pounced on this. Yeah, and, yeah, ah, yeah. you know, the party's over. Yeah. And, you know, my wife still talks about it now. I know lots of other... Liverpool fans of a certain age, like you said, yeah, yeah. they won't forget that. And, and yeah. there was this assumption. Yeah, 78 when um, Tony Wilson wore a bruise scarf. Now, I fa- on Granada's reports, yeah. now I found that funny. I was at Wembley, so I didn't see it, but I've seen footage of yeah. it since. I found that funny, you know, but a lot of people Lots take offence to that, it. you know, but that was the way Tony Wilson was. But if you go back to the foundations of this rivalry, it was actually Busby who recommended Shankly for the job. To Liverpool's board of directors when he was Huddersfield manager. Yes. So basically, <laughs> basically, Busby created almost Liverpool, didn't he? 
the creative, the uh, archetypal, you know, the, the, the nemesis, really. Yes, yeah, look at his face. He loves, he loves telling that story, I, isn't I, it? I think there's a really interesting thing about Liverpool and Manchester United, a similarity between them, in that both of them have thrived when they've had great impresario managers. Now, I think you could probably say the same about Forrest with Cluffy and so on. But, you know, you look at Chelsea over the past 20 years, they've won champion, under dozens and dozens of managers. But, but Liverpool and, and United, you know, it's the great impresario manager. So it's Shankly, it's Busby, it's Ferguson, it's Klopp. Yeah. You know, they, they almost... I think the one odds with that would be Bob Paisley. Yeah. Who was incredibly successful and yet was as understated... I mean, the players used to say when he was dropping them, they couldn't hear him saying it, could they? They used to say with his breath, he dropped, you know. And what yeah, was that? Yeah. You know, I've got that time now, I'm on. But I know what you mean. I mean, Klopp is, I mean, United forever in a day must regret the failure of that conversation between Klopp and Ed Woodward. Yeah. Because basically what he was, it was this famous story about that some Japanese tourist had, had turned up. Yeah. And he'd said, well, this is like the adult version of Disneyland. And, and he'd related this to Klopp. And... It, I mean, I, whether the story's 100% true or not, but this feeling was it put Klopp off. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Klopp wants authenticity. Yeah. He was being offered fantasy, whereas he felt Liverpool was authentic. Woodward's pitch to him was like, oh, you know, this is... Theatre of a dream. Exactly, yeah. yeah he wanted something more real than that. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, the fact of the matter is, at the time, when United were trying to get Klopp, they were in a much better shape... Then when Liverpool tried to get caught, yeah. you know, they, how they didn't, uh, Liverpool will be eternally grateful. Manchester United, who managed to miss out on everybody, um, just, just, they just got it wrong. And Liverpool, mm. Liverpool have now got this leader, and, and Manchester United are, are scratching around in the dark, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. Rouge on the Blood Red Channel. I mean, it's interesting what you say about. Um, football rivalry on the terraces because I think that is one of the major things that is one of the major things with that rivalry especially in the 70s now in the book I think it was John Williams who's the academic said you know he felt it was 77 but I don't think it was 77 I think you're right it was from that period from the early 70s when skinhead gangs attached themselves to to football clubs Mm. you know Mm. and because they were supporters when was so the incident it, with the guy with the the, the dart? When would that? That was, was that the late seventies. Late seventies, yeah. yeah. Um, now I went to Old Trafford with my dad uh, as a kid, and I could not believe the hatred and animosity. You know, mm. and I went back in seventy six when they came up from the second division on my own with mates from school, and it was exactly the same, not yeah. if not worse. Um, so yeah, I think I don't think seventy-seven. That might have been the biggest game yeah. they played. I think the difference was seventy-seven. Yeah, the biggest game. You're absolutely right, and it was also kind of equal numbers. I mean, that's you know uh, we, we, we've got a, a chat about eighty-five, which was probably the nadir of it. Uh, seventy-nine was terrible as well, but eighty-five when it was equal numbers within the ground. It was yeah. at Goodison Park, so 25,000 against 25,000. Yeah, yeah. 25,000 Manx invading Liverpool. 25,000 yeah, yeah. Liverpool saying, you're not coming in. here, mate. Even, though, coming it was, in. even though it was at Goodison Park, you know, what a strange decision to have one game yeah. at Goodison. Because I, I was working for Liverpool Daily Post at the time, mm. and after that first game at Goodison, I was a news reporter, I, I went to the press conference where they produced what they the called weapons. the armoury, yeah. the weapons, and they exactly laid out these things, and you remember it, people, yeah, yeah, yeah. golf balls with the dark, all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. So they said to me, right, you better go to the second game, 
because it's all going to go off there. Yeah, yeah. It's nothing happened at the second game. No, no. Because I, I don't know who we spoke to, I'm not sure it might have even been yourself. They got it out of the way in the first game and they felt in the second game. I think the police, the police, in the second the, game, the police are not yeah. going to let yeah. the, the second game get out of hand. But the first one, I mean, Jan Mulby was substitute, as he said, Joe Fabian had given up on me by then. So he, he went and sat in the stand at Goodison Road, in the main stand at Goodison, and he said he could feel it then. He said he yeah. could feel it. Jim Bedman talks about being spat at when he bent mm. down to take a throw mm. in. Um, uh, and obviously, there was all, you know, that, that seemed to be that yeah. of it then. Yeah, I mean, and also there was the, uh, the gas attack, wasn't there? And I, yes. I didn't realise that Paisley had gone on the coach the following year. Yes, yeah, right. I didn't realise well, that. Well, Bob was basically Shoot. sent on as a human shield. <laughs> To sit, and you can sit by the window, Bob, if you want. You know, yeah, thanks yeah. for that. You know, uh, yeah. but it, it was basically on on the premise that Liverpool fans won't throw a brick, a brick at Bob Paisley, and they obviously wouldn't. Yeah. But we also spoke at the, for the gas attack game to John yeah. Sieverbeck, yeah. who was at Man United, and it was funny because we spoke to three people who independently told us stories about John Sieverbeck. Uh, Ron Atkinson had signed him. And he gave him his debut at Liverpool. So he played him out of position, and he said he got off the coach. Hmm. And this gas had been, whatever it was, ammonia had been thrown. And this guy was in front of him. And he said, he, I picked him up. And he said, I think get out of my way. Whack. Threw him against the wall. Yeah. And it was John Cena. Didn't oh. realise it was his new signing. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jan Mulby said he was going to be after him, he said, because yeah. he was a fellow Dane. He wanted to show him what it was all about. Yeah. And bizarrely, Jim Beglin was after him because he'd scored a fluky goal in the... Um, in, in playing yeah. for Denmark against the Republic of Ireland. So this poor bloke had turned up from this small Danish team. Into and I rang, I rang him and he, he was great, he was very funny. He said, oh, I was sitting on the bus, he says, and I was driving down. And the next thing he said, a brick comes flying through the window, just past Mark Hughes. And I said, well, it's not like Denmark, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> That's he, when famously, I think Atkinson said, it's like Vietnam. It's like Vietnam, yeah, yeah. 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 Had Atkinson ever been to Vietnam? <laughs> it's not... I think what he was alluding to was not the Vietnam of gap year tours and cycle trips <laughs> sponsors. I, I think he meant the Tet Offensive. Yeah. <laughs> the best Liverpool flag for me was always uh, Atkinson's long leather. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was, you know, Liverpool's. He used to, I can't remember the game Liverpool, he celebrated the goal and he had a Manchester United, like, sort of puffer jacket on. And he turns around to the, the crowd and gives it all of this. But under the puffer jacket was the long leather coat. Yeah, yeah. And you think, what, what, what sort of what sartorial choice is that? You know, you've got the long leather on, and then you've got this coat yeah. buttoned up over it. The, the interesting thing about that period as well, uh, Pete, you were talking about, um, you know, the rivalry off the pitch, which is obviously, there was a real violence on the pitch. I mean, oh, Mark yeah. Lawrence told us that whenever they played, it was... United and Liverpool, it was just a kick fest. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lawrence said that one time a ref, the ref blew a whistle after about 10 minutes and said, Can we have a game of football? <laughs> you know, I mean, it, yeah. it, it, well, it was similar to derby matches against Everton, yeah. wasn't it? All the players used to say, for the first 20, 30 minutes, there was a war going on, mm. and then they'd, someone would try and play football, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it was the same. So that rivalry, I mean. And yet, Graham Sinness last week when he was asked about people he had total respect for when he played. Yeah. The first name he mentioned, he couldn't he couldn't mention players he played with at Liverpool, so it was someone outside of Liverpool. Yeah. The first name he mentioned, Brian Robson. Yeah, so yeah, Brian yeah. Robson, yeah. he said. And I've heard other Liverpool players talk about Brian yeah, Robson. Yeah. Alan Hansen used to speak glowingly, but as yeah. a person as well, he loved yeah. him as a lad, he said. But as a player, he said, mm. you know, and there was genuine respect. And I bet it came back the other way as well. 
Yeah. It's, it's you know, the, the actual rivalry, as you say, um, it all seems to be in cycles, doesn't it? Liverpool do well, dominate during the 70s and 80s. Then United dominate during the 90s and, and, and the noughties, but never seem to come together, apart from 2008 and 2009, yeah. when it was Benitez versus Ferguson, really. And the uh, the facts yeah. thing. Do you think, um, when looking at that, do you think it was... Uh, it was a mistake for Benitez to take Ferguson on because he was the master of mind games running. It's a funny one that because we spoke to Jamie Carragher about it, and if you watch it back, it's the it's the furthest thing from a rant you will ever see. He's speaking in a very measured tone. He takes a piece of paper out of his pocket, and Jamie Carragher said he was doing his first ever piece of punditry that Sunday at Man United versus Chelsea, and he needed to go in to clear it with Benitez to do it. And he went here and he said to Rafa, look, I'm lined up to do this on Sky, do you mind? He said, no, I don't mind, he said, but I'll warn you. He said, I'm going to be saying something on Friday. Uh, and I don't think he told him what it was. He said, but, you know, just be aware that I'm going to be saying, so you're going to be asked about it. Yeah. So it wasn't a rant. And I mean, Jamie said he didn't think it lost them the league. He, he felt Liverpool lost the league because they drew too many games. He said it was yeah. as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. He said he felt it wasn't a great move because it, he wasn't sure quite what he was trying to achieve with it, yeah. other than maybe put a bit of pressure on, on referees and stuff like that. Yeah. But, I mean, as you say, you don't take Fergie on, but I, I think it's been overplayed when people have said, oh, it cost Liverpool the league. Because mm. this was in December, wasn't it, January? So yeah. it was months of the season to go. And I think, I think possibly one or two Liverpool players felt it drew attention to them, yeah, that they yeah, didn't yeah. need drawing yeah. to them. They were, quite, they were top of the league, I think, at the time. Everything was going fine. So why draw attention to yourself? I think that part of it was a mistake. But I don't think it lost Liverpool the title, and I think James said that he said yeah. it just drew too many games. Yeah. I think it's. I think it, it's Ferguson is a real, really important figure in the United Liverpool rivalry because I think he stirred it up quite deliberately. Yeah. When he'd been at Aberdeen, he had used the Glasgow duopoly as an external enemy. Yeah. You know, they are the guys of the establishment. They've got all the media support. Yeah. We're going to fight them. We're going to back yeah. them. When he came down to um, Manchester. You know, Liverpool were in the ascendant, yeah. uh, and then you know, Hanson and, and Lawrenson were on the telly, and so on. So he used that yeah. as it, you know, the idea that Manchester United are somehow, you know, the underdogs. But they, they were to a degree when he took over, mm -hmm. and he used that, and he fermented it, and yeah. he kept it fermented, so that you get the ludicrous situation of Gabriel Heinze. You yeah. know, uh, Ferguson saying you you can go anywhere but there. We're never going to let you. Go there. They found some contractual premise in the small print because they tried to claim Euro Euro, well, yeah. so you've got to go to the European club. Yeah, and in, it, it, going to Liverpool wasn't an international. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's what they claimed. It wasn't an international yeah. transfer. That's right. So because yeah. it was in Euros, he couldn't go. Yeah, and I think Benitez and Fergie, you know, within that context, is really interesting because when Benitez first arrived and won the Champions League in his in his first season, two thousand and five, um, Ferguson sent him, you know, a congratulatory note and some tactical observations and, and so on. But after that, when he began to realise that actually this guy was a threat, you know, mm -hmm. he, he couldn't be patronised. It was the same with Wenger, wasn't it? Yeah. He, he never said a nice word about Wenger until Wenger's was never going to win the title. He's not a threat now, I can be nice to him. Yeah. Um, and it, it, he then became almost over-the-top nice to Wenger. Having basically called him everything, you know, when, when he first arrived, he'd come over from Japan. Who does yeah. he think he is? Uh, but uh, literally, uh, his attitude to Benitez was, 
I'm quite friendly to him. Oh, hang on. He's won the Champions League. I better not be friendly to him anymore. He sent him the note, as you say. But after that, and I think Benitez has alluded to it many times, the relationship changed because Fergie yeah. realised this is someone to be reckoned with. This guy knows what he's doing. Uh, and there was always a fear of Liverpool amongst Man United. When I say fear, I mean, maybe not quite as, as strong as that, but Gary Neville said, even when Liverpool were down, right yeah. down, yeah. he said... We were never as bad as the current United team. <laughs> That's, true. That's true. His words, not mine. He said, we were always looking in the rearview mirror. Yeah, that was yeah, the phrase yeah. he used. He said, do you think, he said do where you think, are they? Where, and it was always there. Do you think um, Ferguson, uh, his humiliation, uh, Aberdeen, when he played 100%, 100%. Liverpool, is that, that, is, that the, yeah. is that where it all stemmed from? I, I think he had the makings of what turned into an outstanding Aberdeen team. You know, they went on to win the European Cup and Cup, didn't they? Be Real Madrid in the final, uh, and I think he thought we can show what we're about here. Yeah. And they were, I mean, one nil at Totodri. Yeah. Fair enough. But they were wiped. Yeah. Off the face of the earth at Anfield Virtue. It was four nil, I think, wasn't it? But it, yeah, uh, and there was and a lot. Of, there was a lot of laughter yeah. after that game. Yeah. From I think even I think even Alan Hansen scored in that game. Yeah. Which would have probably irked him even more <laughs> because of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, because of that. Like, and you know what he's like? Elephant memory. He won't forget. Yeah. That. Yeah. 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 I, I, and you know, actually, he really admired uh, Liverpool. He used to come down when he got fired by was it Saint Mirren? Mm. Um, as part of, uh, one of the reasons they gave uh, for firing him was the he had taken uh, 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 unauthorized leave to go yeah. and watch Liverpool in the Champions right. League final yeah. at, at Wembley. So uh, you know he admired uh, Liverpool. So Liverpool. a bit like Busby, he really wanted to be a Liverpool manager. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I funnily enough, um, I remember when I was I was on the post at the time and. I can't remember which Liverpool manager it would have been. It might have been when maybe Joe Fagan announced he was leaving. I'm sure someone at the Echo, it might have been Ian Hargraves, remember Ian Hargraves? Yeah, yeah. He wrote a list of potential managers for Liverpool. And obviously in the end, Kenny got it. Um, and I'm sure he mentioned Ferguson yeah, yeah. as someone who yeah. the club would, be, would have been looking yeah. at because of what he'd achieved. But in the end, obviously, they kept Did it. Did you ever find out... Um... Ferguson's relationship with Daglish, you know, both, you know, from Glasgow. Well, both, it's you know, a fascinating one because, you know, one's from the blue side, one's from the green side. Uh, uh, Kenny originally was a Rangers fan, wasn't Yeah, he yeah. was, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, no, no question that that fed into it. But the interesting thing is you speak to people like, as we did for the book, you know, who were around it, like Roy Evans and so on. And, and a lot of it was for show, you know. Yeah. They're always very keen. Phil Thompson mentions it as well. Always very keen to suggest that after the game, in the bar afterwards, yeah. or in the manager's or the office, room, or, whatever, yeah. or the boot room, or yeah. The famous bus stop that they had, you know, you'll get more sense out of my daughter. Yeah. Uh, Roy Evans, I think, said to you, didn't he? You still have to drink after that. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you wonder how much... There's a bit of showbiz going yeah, on. There's a bit of showbiz... Um, and, 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 you know, obviously they would rise to each other. Yeah. They definitely stirred each other up. And we saw that uh, with the Suarez Everett business, yeah. I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, uh, That was writ large. But um, I don't know. I don't know whether there was a genuine... I mean, you know... For this way, when Kenny's stand was opened. Yeah, yeah Fergie was there. 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 Fergie After Hillsborough, yeah. Fergie was one of the first people on the phone. Alele Rouge on the Blood Red Channel. I think in the modern era, though, because of so many foreign players, you know, playing for uh, both clubs, that 
that animosity has, has almost evaporated a bit? It's a really interesting one, that one. I mean, Phil Thompson tells a very funny story in, in the book about after, in 99, I can't remember what happened in that. Did United win the treble? Anyway. Um, uh, He's fighting back. <laughs> <laughs> um, in 99, um, Liverpool uh, had, a, had a, a week off because they'd been knocked out of the cup and they decided they'd go to the 2K uh, airport and they, um, you know, they, they turned up at uh, Manchester. So they were going to the 2K for a week off. And they, they flew out of Manchester Airport at yeah. the same time that United were going off to oh, play right. Inter. Yeah. And, and Phil Thompson just absolutely, you know, plunged straight in. He, he said that he got there and obviously he said he was quite visible because he'd not been back at Liverpool that long. Um, people remembered him from Sky do, and, and basically he said, I looked exactly the same as I did yeah. when I was playing. So they saw him and they got right into him, all these fans. Yeah. And Phil said, I should have said nothing. He said, I should have stayed quiet. And then he said, but you know what I'm like. <laughs> and he said, I just it started giving it back yeah, to yeah, him. Yeah. You know, and he said, I'm the assistant manager of Liverpool and I'm standing there having this stand-up row. And he said that some of the foreign lads just... Couldn't understand, quite understand what yeah, was going yeah, on yeah. there. Well, Rick but Barry, who was flying out with them, said that yeah. had a massive impact on Phil Thompson. He said because he said he knew anyway. He said, but he thought we've you know we can't be going into one room for the UEFA Cup draw while yeah. United are going into the Champions League yeah, draw. Yeah. And he said it had quite a, quite an impact on. Yeah, him. yeah. yeah. But, I mean, but, there's no uh, doubt United uh, dominated during that period. And you know, '99. I mean, that was a fluky win, wasn't it? Uh, you know. The Champions League final. I mean, it was just. Oh, it was like you know, I was I was sitting there watching it, thinking, just had a smirk on my face, thinking, this, it's got to be corruption involved there, surely. <laughs> be careful what you say. I mean, sometimes you, sometimes you just. I, I, I'm, I'm, my, my wife always goes on at me about it. I am very much a name on the cup man, and I think about Liverpool in 2005. Yeah. You know, I think about Chelsea in 2012. Was it? And I covered a lot of their games, and they tried every way possible to get knockdowns, mm. and they just kept getting through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even the final in, in Munich, where Bayern take the lead about five minutes to go, Chelsea equalise, Bayern get a penalty, they miss, Chelsea win mm. on penalties, and I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to be prepared, but I sometimes think you're destined to win yeah, something. And United that season, they were almost like, you know, they, they stole it on Liverpool mm. in the last two minutes mm. of the cup. They stole it on yeah. big time on Bayern. You dominated the end. Fergie picked the wrong team, didn't he? By Jasper Blom Christian. Never yeah. anywhere near that team. Um, but they got away with it. And sometimes I just think, you think well. Destiny's calling. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's just my feeling about it. How do you think, Jim, you know, as a United fan, that, you know, Liverpool play uh, Man United, you know, twice a season. Most games, as soon as you turn on the um, television, if you're watching Man United, they're singing about Liverpool all the time. We only tend to sing about United. If we're playing them, how, how do you feel about that so, when you, as a United it's fan? A really, it's a really good uh, point, that. I mean, I, I uh, after um, the game last year at Old Trafford when uh, the Liverpool fans were all singing Ole's yeah, yeah. and they came out, I understand that, you, you could put me right on this, I understand that some parts of Anfield the next home match started singing Ollie's at the wheel, you know, gloatingly. Yeah. And they were shushed. Down, they were told, yeah, 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 you, you, yeah. You, you aren't going to yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, I was at uh, Brentford on um, uh, Saturday. And yeah. before, should, have some, should have some of the music. Should have some of the music. But before the game, you know, 
yeah. Liverpool were being mentioned, Leeds were being mentioned, yeah, yeah. City were being mentioned. There's a different mindset there. Yeah, it's a yeah. really, it's a really odd one uh, that, yeah, that yeah. they that they do. I mean, the second half when they were being absolutely hammered, they just sang the, the Manchester Calypso, which yeah, is, yeah. I could yeah. that that seemed to me a, a more appropriate thing mm. to do. I mean, the really interesting thing, of course, is that you know United rivals. We're talking about a rivalry. United are a million miles from them. I think probably the biggest gap there's been almost since United were bloody relegated back in the mid-70s between the two. Um, I don't think you're getting relegated this season. No, no, No. maybe. City... You never know, though, do you? You never know. (laughs) City, you know, and Liverpool have had these great head-to-heads. But there's something... I don't know, almost civilised about the, you know, the Klopp and, and Guardiola patting each yeah. other on the head and so on. And it's a, it's a contrived rivalry, yeah. isn't it? Lots because of people, it's a lots plastic people said rivalry, that to us. Yeah. Because, said the, the rivalry is between two teams who are contesting for the title, but it doesn't particularly go beyond that. Mm. Um, and everyone, well not everyone, quite a lot of people said to us, you can't invent a rivalry. Yeah. Liverpool, Man United, it's an authentic, it's yeah. a real rivalry. Liverpool, Man City isn't anything like that. Yet. No. Yeah. No. I mean, the first two fixtures you look for is always Everton and Man United mm. as Liverpool fans traditionally. Has that changed in them, Pete? I mean, I think, it, I mean, it might I, change with the younger generation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we'll whether, whether the younger people will come yeah, up because yeah. this is what they've known yeah. rather than as you would have yeah. known the seventies, eighties, nineties. Well, you look at the message boards about City and Chelsea. Look, they're not our rivals, you know, mm. they, because it's a manufactured rivalry from. From st- state-owned companies, yeah, basically, yeah. that's what it is, yes, isn't it? Yeah, yes. You know, whereas United, I think people respect that authenticity about it from Busby onwards. Yeah. I think probably the same with the United. I, I mean, an interesting, interesting uh, Liverpool f- a fan we were speaking to was saying that it, thirty years of the Premier League, the Premier League is this great uh, marketing device and so on. The one thing that they've not had in that thirty years, they've had last second decisions, you know, going right down to the wire and so on. The one thing they've not had is a proper Man United Liverpool head to head and what they would give for that. Yeah, because yeah. that would be the one that would, that would sell in Thailand yeah, and yeah. sell around. Well, people, the globe. people say when you put on, on Twitter the uh, Liverpool Man United faces Ravi football, you say what about Glasgow Rangers Celtic? What about Boca River Plate? What about uh, Real Barca? Mm-hmm. But as you state in the book, I think uh, the viewing figures yeah. The, the Liverpool Man United st- up until recently I don't know what it is recently but we'll dwarf those games will, will, will anyone in this country apart from you know, there will be people who are interested but I'm talking about big numbers would they care about the results of the same between Boca, Genius and Rip? They won't care would they really. but you could go to anywhere in the world and we've got a couple of examples of it like Danny Murphy the Masai Mara yeah um, and he said he spoke to a guy who was in the full dress and everything yeah yeah uh, and as soon as he saw Danny Murphy he said Danny Murphy Manchester United um, and yeah. he, he, that's what it's about. It's that. Good and he goal. named the game he scored at. All the three games he scored at. Yeah. Um, and Jan Molby was on a cruise. The idea of Jan on a cruise. <laughs> and he said he was at the bar getting a drink. So yeah. the, the image is carrying on now. <laughs> um, and he said this bloke came up to him, put a pint down in front of him. And he said, There you go, Jan. And Jan said, oh, What's that for? He said, You know what it's for. Yeah, yeah. And Jan said, What was that? He said, Oh, that goal in the League Cup in 1985. The great lost goal. Yeah, that was found. Yeah. It's finally found. Just found on, yeah. I mean, because it, it, it was this amazing, and even Jan, Jan was slightly disappointed to see it in the end. He said because he told people about this goal, and he said and basically, <laughs> he said I ran from the edge of my own area like Diego Maradona and beat seven or eight people, 
and smashed it into the net. He said, mm. I saw it again. He said, I maybe ran past about three people in school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. you know, Danny Murphy in particular, he, with, because, I mean, he had that great run, didn't he? I think he scored three winning goals yeah. at Old Trafford. Um, you know, he's, he's said he can travel to lots of places and people, they don't particularly remember him for much else, he mm. said, jokingly. He said, but they always remember the twice, what he did against Manchester United. Yeah. So we have to talk about the modern era for the last couple of minutes. Um, Liverpool play uh, away to Man United on Monday, and um, we have Liverpool haven't got many points, and neither have United. But I mean, Liverpool, you know, I mean, I think it's one of those things. It, we've had a lot of injuries, but United, it just seems to be an absolute shambles going on, doesn't it? It's a, it's. A- from from top to bottom and in many ways Liverpool fans must look at it and think there but for the grace of God because if Hicks and Jeanette hadn't been driven out now listen I'm not suggesting Fenway Sports Group are the great bunch of philanthropists they're obviously you know red red blooded capitalists they want to make money but what they are uh, professional organised together and have recruited from top to bottom really good people Mm, yeah Glazers are not only leeches, they're useless leeches. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. very poor at the deadly combination. I know that argument, but if you look at what United have spent... And, oh, indeed, know, but they've spent know, very badly. Um, because they've had bad advice. Because they've, had, because they've got the wrong people, people in the wrong all places. The way yeah. I think yeah. it's because yeah. the structure's wrong, isn't it? Liverpool yeah. had that great structure, didn't they? Eventually they got there. I mean, there was all that talk about the yeah. transfer committee when Brendan was there. But they had Michael Edwards. There's been a smooth transition now he's gone. And most, pretty much all. What was the last big transfer decision they got wrong? Do you think? It's hard to say, isn't it? I mean, the only one you could. The only one. I mean, I suppose the goalkeeper, wasn't it? You know. Who was that? The oh yeah, Carius. Yeah, yeah, true. Carius. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But recently, I mean, the only one you might say they've spent big money on. They didn't spend big money on him. No, no, they didn't. Big money on him, and you're still saying, you know, come on, let's see the best news, Kaiser. All the others. I mean, Luis Diaz comes in last year yeah. The, yeah. and the deals are done once Liverpool are linked with players they sign them yeah mm. I mean, Liverpool's, it, it, Liverpool's transfer business yeah. was done at the end of June for this summer United are still scrabbling around it's, in this United it's become a soap opera hasn't it? it's, it's become a it's soap opera but I mean I, you know a lot of Liverpool fans would want United to go down of course they would mm. but I don't because for me it's six points uh, you know? it's an interesting thing though Pete I mean, what I think has happened in the last couple of years is when, when Liverpool were below United and when United were below Liverpool, that game, they always played their hearts out. They, yeah. they, oh, we're yeah, going yeah. to screw you up. Yeah. You're not going to be, you know, we're going to yeah. stop you. Yeah. And what really sticks in the craw of United fans is those surrenders. Last yeah, yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, they hurt. You know, yeah. five... Nil at home. I, I've, I've seen, I've seen United lose 4 0 at Anfield before. I think when Peter yeah. Beardley scored a hat trick. Yeah, yeah. But I remember it being a game. Yeah. You know, this is. You it's been a game, but like, like, yeah. But that one was. No, but the one at Anfield, Pogba yeah. was off after. I think he saw which way the wind was blowing, yeah. didn't he? I've got a bit of a twinge here. Yeah, I'm yeah. off. Um, Liverpool 4 0. The one at Anfield, uh, at Big Pond, Old Trafford. They pretty much declared, didn't they? Five, yeah. They were 5 0 now. I think there's no need to exert ourselves. We never thought we'd see that. Yeah. Well, even though you've had some big wins there, you've had a, yeah, we have. Three, the four, the, there was a the four, four, the four, the four one, one, which was my favourite one, rather than the five. It was also a three nil under Brendan, which was very, very convincing. When Moisey was there, I think, 
But that 5-0 one last... You know, when, when you're watching a game, and it was the closest I'd seen to being at that Brazil-Germany uh, World Cup semi-final yeah. that I went to, yeah, yeah. when people say every time they attacked, they looked like they were going to score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But That's in those two games, they were scoring. Yeah, every time Liverpool attacked... And, yeah. um, you know, you look back and you thought, this is just yeah. embarrassing, which it was. Mm. But, but the rivalry is such that the Liverpool fans can enjoy the gloat. Yeah. And the Manchester United fans can get bitter and and well, and, yeah, as you were, the irony is, the irony is that uh, United we stand and red issue, and all the fans used to say Liverpool fans are always going on about the past, well, and that's the yeah. irony. It's yeah. fantastic, that, 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 you know, it's like completely swapped back. Yeah, yeah, so that yeah. when uh, you know, on that's the last what you've been used to when you're struggling. Though, we, we mentioned in the book the last game of the season last year. Mm. You know, the United fans celebrating the fact that City had won the league. Yeah, and yeah. The that was and, 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 Andy, Andy, Andy Merton said the treble was intact. That's pathetic. He said, yeah. I know that's pathetic. He said, I know it's ridiculous. He said, but that's what footballers do. Yeah. He said he was cheering for Man City. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you've been listening to Ali La Rouge. Um, been listening to Jim White. And, and Phil McNulty uh, we've got a book out Red on Red is it available from all decent bookshops yeah, go to your Amazon, go to your indie Amazon as well or um, oh, you're in, or you're in indie, about that. Your indie bookshops as well independent bookshops yeah. uh, uh, I believe there's a great big tottering Great Wall of China off them at uh, Waterstones in Liverpool <laughs> ok <laughs> great thanks very much for uh, thanks, coming thanks, on and, you know, great, great insight and the book is a great insight into that rivalry uh, see you in a couple of weeks' time. Listen to all the Blood Red podcasts from the Liverpool Echo. Uh, and see you in a couple of weeks. And the Man United game, we're all looking forward to it. Hopefully we'll get three points at this one. Thank you. You've been listening to the Ali La Rouge podcast on the Blood Red channel.